Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Everybody, it is the Steve Jones Show on a Tuesday. News Radio 1070 WKOK. Matt Catrillo here with you. Steve Jones will soon be there from the Sunbury Motors Studio. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. And the theme of the show today is when exactly is everybody going to get back to playing? We've got some new developments in the NBA and some. We're looking for the updates in Major League Baseball as the 82-game or about 82-game schedule 2020 proposal is going to be heading to the players today. We haven't heard officially on that, whether they accepted that or not. Owners did yesterday. Neil Kulong is going to join us today as well on the NFL season status at this point. Dr. Anthony Fauci had mentioned yesterday there's got to be a good, a better second round of testing results as part of what exactly needs to be done to have an NFL season that's safe. So we'll get an eye on uh, on that with Neil coming up a little bit later on the show. And then with the NBA today, ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski putting out NBA player reps are taking, are reaching out to players and they're conducting an informal survey on simply, do they want to return to play this season? And so we'll see where that goes. It's Each vote is apparently going to be unanimous. Jared Dudley's already tweeted out and says that he would like to see the season continue next year. So we'll see where that goes with the NBA. And Adam Silver's been pretty silent, too, as to what the decision-making is at this point and the thought process is at this point from the NBA. Jared Dudley just tweeted out, Safety obviously first. Nowhere will be as safe as the NBA compound site they determined, but I don't think players know the effects of not playing what that does to us next year. This is bigger than my team isn't in the playoffs, so who cares? No playoffs, no T-Bunny, new CBA next year. So, a little bit similar to the baseball situation is there's obviously a lot of money that's going to be involved, and that's going to be a big part of these talks from all sides of this. On the baseball side of things, as we discussed a little bit yesterday, owners are deciding or have put in this proposal to split it 50-50 of the revenue sharing. Will the players accept that or not? We'll find out. And it's going to be that, and it's it's just going to be safety. Do you guys just simply feel comfortable no matter whatever other factors come through? And as Steve has said before, someone's got to go first. 
and he has guessed Major League Baseball would be the first to go to go back first, and I agree with Steve, just because you don't have to worry about playing in indoor facilities with baseball, in most cases. And I just think the the plan I think could work where they're going to be doing the possible regionalized playing of games where. For instance, the Phillies would play the AL East and the NL East. I think that works. You still have some logistical, geographical situations when it comes to teams like the Braves and the Marlins who are in the NFC East, or the NFC, or NL East, rather, who you would have to fly to. And then the Tampa Bay Race, of course, and the AL East. Toronto, you're probably going to have to play at your team facility in Florida because it's already been determined that you can't play in Toronto because... The uh, president there has said there's has banned no public events through June 30th, I believe, was the was the decree there. I'll obviously put things at odds with the Raptors and the Maple Leafs should the NBA and NHL decide to get going. Of course, the AHL canceled its the rest of its season in the 2020 Calder Cup playoffs yesterday. So it's it's gonna be very interesting to see what is decided here. So we'll decide on the NFL side of things with Neil Coulong coming up at a little bit later on in the show today on the NFL side of things because that's going to be real interesting too. The ticket prices there for games. Be curious to, to follow that and see how that goes right now. Now we had Tony Knopp talking about that on Friday in terms of where those stand right now. Once they do, in fact, go on sale. I don't think they're on sale yet. But we want to hear from you, too, on all these cases. Plus, it was also Penn State today, uh, Penn State Day on BTN today. We'll have one of our play-by-play calls of the day back from one of those games that are on BTN today. We want to hear from you on all these aspects. 1-800-795-9565. 1-800-795-9565. And... You can also there we go. email us, and there, there we, go. we go. We finally got our problem situated here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, every once in a while, we have to reset the connection, and sometimes it takes a little longer than others. Most days, it's just walk in, and here we go. And Matt does his part, I do my part, and we end up at, at finally. And this happens, what do you think, once a month? I would say approximately that. Yeah, I mean that that's and it's just the way technology. I think it's amazing how we can do the show like this anyway. Of course. I mean, you know. I mean, to me, uh when they told me I could have a flip phone, I thought that was amazing technology. So <laughs> like, oh, And the car you, phone, you, the plug-in yeah, car phone and all that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And that was great. Okay, uh we're going to get to the Jordan documentary. Uh, ben from the Washington Post is going to join us. So we got Neil Kulong today. Tomorrow we got Dick Girardi on the show, which will be terrific. I want to start out with this, though. Um, you try to do as much reading as possible along the way because you're trying to keep up with what's going on. And we had Gabe Sinecropion, and we're gonna we're gonna have uh, re-air that uh, at one point tomorrow in the show, just as a reminder of where we are. And he said that hey, we're gonna find out about this thing sooner rather than later when it comes to um, the future of minor league baseball. So Bill Madden of the New York Daily News 
And you're talking about a Hall of Famer here. I mean, Bill Madden is one of those guys, for example, that when he calls somebody, anybody, one of two things will happen. Either the call directly goes through or they absolutely will call him back. He's one of those people. He's that respected. So he wrote an article in the New York Daily News that appeared um, over the weekend, today being Tuesday. And he talked about a topic I was going to talk about. I've only glossed over this, Matt. I've only like like a sentence here or a sentence there. And we know right now that Major League Baseball and the Players Association are involved in an intense negotiation this week over the plan for a 78 or 82 game schedule. I think you said it was 82, right? Yeah, it's officially, well, they're saying about 82, so I guess okay, it's going to give or take on logistics and stuff. With a July 4, 5, 6 startup right in that neighborhood, okay? That weekend. And what Bill Mann was writing about was, okay, that's going to happen, but he says, and this is what he writes, about all we do know is that it is almost certainly not going to be a minor league baseball season this summer. Okay? Now, now he puts it into the category of look there, you know, we all know what a tragedy is. Everybody knows what a tragedy is. Right? Um, sometimes that word is used in sports or business, and it's a relative term, relative to sports and relative to business. So he writes an even bigger tragedy than the possible than the cancellation of the major league season uh, would be uh, what happens to the minors. Many minor league owners are not independently wealthy and rely on their teams for their livelihood. If not, they've got a problem. That's why the minor leagues, now this is what he writes. That's why the, this is this is this weekend. Remember, there's been there have been no stories at all and no leaks at all since the April 22nd meeting, correct? All right. And, of course, this involves Williamsport, State College, Erie. I mean, not Redding. Redding's owned by the Phillies. They're coming back. Okay. That's why minor league baseball finally capitulated to Major League Baseball's contraction plan to cut the number of teams from 160 to 120. Now here comes the – now, I'm not even up to the interesting part yet. I'm not even close to the interesting part yet. The number of minor league teams going out of business may be far greater than the designated 40. See, this may happen through natural attrition. And it's something I was going to talk about. Because, look, there's a bottom line. Let's take major... The AHL just canceled its season, okay? Uh, The AHL is really good hockey, but it's minor league hockey. And that is under the same, not quite the same realm as this. But the AHL doesn't have a mega TV contract. You know, they may have they may have a decent local radio deal, but minor league baseball does not have a TV contract. Minor league baseball has its local radio contracts, but they are they're they're not these expansive extensive deals. Right? They need attendance. Minor League Baseball, the Major League Baseball gets 30% of its money from the gate. 
Well, that means they get 70% from other sources, including television, regional networks, national network, radio contracts. These are big deals. And they get 70% of their money from that, and you know, but 30% from people actually being in the ballpark. So they can at least cut back on their losses by playing games without fans. As I've mentioned, when this all began, when this all began back on March the 12th, Matt and I are doing the show. I had just come back from Indianapolis. No, in fact, let's even go back to that Wednesday, the Wednesday before the Big Ten tournament began. So it would be March 11th. And we were discussing at that point the ability to play games without fans because that was on the table. And I said, sports can make that intermediate step of saying no fans but playing games because of the television radio component. Minor League Baseball can't do that because they can't exist unless there's somebody in the seats. That's where the revenue comes from. They need to have sponsorships, so the wall filled with sponsorships. They need to have the concourse filled with sponsorships. They need concessions. They need parking. They need Okay, so they need people. Right? So what you're going to have before you have all of this, now you have minor league baseball looking around, do we refund? And they may not be capable of refunding. Or do we work out deals where suddenly you're part of us in 2021? And you may have a natural attrition of people going out of business in minor league baseball, and these can't come back. Bill Madden then writes this part. Major League Baseball and Minor League Baseball at one point did tentatively agree on a revised minor league system in which all four short-season leagues, New York Penn, Appalachian, Northwestern Pioneer, would be eliminated. Each of the 30 teams would have only four minor league affiliates, AAA, AA, high A, low A. They would be allowed to maintain teams in the Gulf Coast and Dominican Summer League. But then there's this sentence. Most, but not all, of the short-season teams would disappear. Many of the New York Penn League teams, including Brooklyn, Hudson Valley, Lowell, State College, Mahoning Valley, and possibly Staten Island would be merged into the low-A South Atlantic League as its newly created Northern Division. Originally, the Mets wanted to make Brooklyn their double-A Eastern League team, which would compete against Redding, Harrisburg, and Altoona. The Yankees, though, are adamantly opposed to that especially since their New York Penn League team in Staten Island was designated for the chopping block. Madden writes, I'm now told the Yankees have no problem with Brooklyn moving up to low A, and nobody seems to care if Staten Island gets contracted because of terrible ownership that has run the franchise into the ground with the third lowest attendance in the league at 1848. They used to average 7,000. Another aspect of the tentative agreement is that the minor leagues, which is which have always operated independently of the majors, will have their offices moved from St. Petersburg to Avenue of the Americas in New York as, quote, one big happy family. 
Number one, okay, then he writes, he says, the question is going to be how many white flags of surrender are going to be flying over empty minor league ballparks around the country at the end of summer. Interesting. Number one, this is Bill Madden. This is not somebody uh, that is with the Bozeman Gazette. He's connected. Um, and where do you come up with... I mean, I could see if he's writing... This is the New York Daily News. I could see if he's writing about Brooklyn. Hudson Valley's up near Newburgh, so that's close. Staten Island. All right? And then maybe throw Binghamton in there. But where do you come up with Lowell State College and Mahoney Valley? You obviously had to be told that by somebody. Now, that doesn't mean this is what's going to happen. That is not what this means. But it's the first specific article I've seen since the April 22nd meeting. And it's the first, and it's not only that, it's written by Bill Madden of the New York Daily News, which to me has at least some added weight to it. Interesting. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia, Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. And you can go online to sunburymotors.com. You can check out the great inventory of Ford, Lincoln, Hyundai, Kia, and also the great pre-owned inventory. You can check it out. You can say, boy, that fits me. And guess what? From the comfort of your own living room, you can buy it. You can do all that at sunburymotors.com. One quick note. You know, we're in the world of Zoom right now. And my the curator of the Tom McGrath tailgate, Gary Goloshevsky, who's been referenced on this show before, as you know, Matt, um, celebrated a birthday on Saturday. Now, he's a great guy, an awesome guy. I mean, way older than I thought. Who uh, <laughs> married way above himself. <laughs> a salute to Amy, I might add. And... Uh, we did a Zoom call on Saturday to sing happy birthday to him. Okay. This was not a choir at Carnegie Hall, okay? <laughs> he could almost see as as everybody was singing, Gary had that look in his face like, haven't I suffered enough? I mean, it's just, but all right. So happy birthday, buddy. All right. There are no OTAs going on, no rookie free agent camps. So in a cry for help and a desperate move, Neil Kulong went over to a local park to watch kids throwing the football around to replace it. Neil, welcome. Great to have you with us. It's great to be here as always. Thanks for having me, gentlemen. I uh, I hope everything is going smooth on your end as, as, it, uh, as it is for me as well. It's the, the work week kind of quiets down like it is. Well, good. Uh, we're glad that you're doing well because we care deeply about what happens with you. Uh, all right, so the, the schedule comes out. 
I believe the Steelers' schedule, based on winning percentage, whatever, is ranked, uh, what, next to last? I mean, it's, it's the second easiest schedule or something like that, or third. The Ravens are, are first. Uh, I don't know if they just did it on winning percentage, Neil, or if they, you know, if they figured in the draft and now becomes the 10th hardest. <laughs> it very well could, for all we know. I, I think that the draft factors into the schedule about as much as last year does. I mean, yeah. it, it's uh, – it, it's it's a gimmick, you know. I, I can see yeah. why you want to talk about it, but the, the Ravens have the easiest schedule because they're the team in the division that doesn't have to play the the fourteen and two team twice. That's right. You know, it, 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 they and they still get the Browns. So it, it really, AFC North hasn't had a, a ton of difficulty when it comes to May's schedule strength, thanks in part to the efforts from the teams in Ohio. But by and large, it, it's an NFL schedule. You got to play NFL teams and. There's always a, a level of difficulty that you might not like uh, to consider on paper. I know that Steelers fans have thought that for many, many years, but they're they're going to play uh, what what is a 12 NFL level teams, and they're they're going to get challenged by a lot of them. So that, uh, as, as Mike Tomlin would say, you know, outside of the order in which they're playing people, he doesn't really pay much attention to it. Michael Wilbon was commenting on the comment that Mike Tomlin made about everybody needs to start at the same time. And Wilbon said, he said, look, and he was very matter-of-fact about it. He said, look, everything Mike Tomlin says I agree with until he said that. What did you think about that comment about everybody had to start at the same time? I don't understand why the mentality would be different. I mean, everything in the NFL is shared. Everything is... um, built for evenness of competition. Um, why would you have a non-uniform start date? I, I don't understand the value of that to the NFL. It would be a radical departure from everything else that they do. Um, every day on their, their calendar is, is uniform across the board in the yes. NFL. They're not allowed to do things without specific reason, and those reasons are usually financially driven. Things mm-hmm. like, we're going to let two teams start training camp ahead of everybody else because they have to play a fifth preseason game um, for, for the celebration of the Hall of Fame class. Right. Those types of things, yes, there, there are exceptions, but by and large, well, why would facilities be open to everyone to do things that other people can't do? Right now, for example, um, if, if there was say five franchises that were able to open their doors quicker, they can meet with their rookies. I mean, how big of an advantage would that be? Um, I, I'm not sure. Why, I, I saw Will Bond's comments. I'm not sure where exactly he's coming from with that or if he's considered everything that would come with it. Um, I agree with Tomlin to the point where I'm not even sure why it needs to be said. I mean, there's no way the NFL is not going to um, do their best to at least try to provide the opportunity for everybody. And if it's, you know, if it comes down to these teams have to move somewhere else, maybe they do that. Exactly. I don't know. But they're yeah. not going to let everybody just, you know, yeah. open up at the state's uh, uh, leisure. There's no way that that's going to happen. Let's just say for the sake of argument that the Giants, Jets, Patriots, Eagles, right, because of that corridor, have to open up and guess what? Um you go to Memphis, you go to, you know what I mean? They can go other places. I think that's what they do because you're, as I agree with Tomlin. Um, for one thing, you all will open up together. You just may not open up in the spot you thought you were going to open up. 
Yeah, I mean, really, the, the location here is obviously the key to it all. They can, If they have the location set, if they are able to move their operations, and rest assured, they're looking into everything they need to look into yeah. uh, to, to do that right now, um, there's no reason why they would want that situation not figured out first. They'll, they'll lock that down first, and with that, it's going to come – how about this? Let me, let me change directions with that. Teams practice in different facilities during the season all the time. Yes. Um, when they are on the road, they'll go somewhere else, perhaps for a walkthrough if that's their thing. Uh, there are teams that, if they get fortunate enough that they have their, uh, you know, cross country games back to back, they'll stay in in one location uh, during that week and then take the easy trip to that place before coming back to their headquarters. I don't think that's unreasonable. I don't think it's something that they can't do. And we've seen them, um, we've seen other entities, whatever that happens to be, uh, help them out if that's the situation they're in. I, I can't help but think the NFL is not, you know, burning down the phone lines right now to see if that's going to be available, if that's not an option for people to set up a temporary headquarters somewhere. Um, it might mess up, say, a, a team like Pittsburgh, the biggest thing that they have is they have a contract that they have to play. 10 games inside uh, Heinz Field during a season. Maybe there's a, an issue that might come up with things of, of that nature, but if they can't play in a stadium, that's not going to stop them from playing somewhere else. This is the NFL. They're not going to let nature tell them what they can and can't do. This is, you know, without question, the biggest uh, commercial power in the United States, and they don't like being told they're not allowed to do something. So they're going to look into every option that they'd have to to play games elsewhere, to get situated elsewhere on a temporary basis. What information do you have on what players are doing to keep themselves in shape for the upcoming season? Because, I mean, many gyms across the country have been closed. Um, you know, obviously the team facilities have been closed. So what have some of the players been doing to keep themselves in some semblance of shape where they don't get themselves way behind? You know, it's funny that you bring that up. We were just talking as a, a writers group this morning on coming up with different ideas, and that question was posed. And well, the discipline, I mean, hardworking I, I, group. That, obviously, it was a brilliant idea. Well, the the, the <laughs> hardworking group that we are, what we ended up doing was envisioning a, a Rocky Four like montage with different players throughout the league <laughs> finding themselves out in in Vancouver in the mountains up there, and you know, running to the top and screaming their rival's name and stuff. It, it, you, you can see the videos all you want. I mean, really, it's um, it's a lot of old school stuff. You know, you, you see them uh, running, you see them lifting the weights that they have available. Uh, they don't, you know, the, the players look good. The, the equipment that they're using is not. Uh, what you'd really expect them to be using. I mean, a lot of those old-school plastic and concrete weight sets and um, the guys in pools that are doing their running. There's a lot that they've had set up, uh, the veterans at least. They've, there's a lot that they've had set up uh, to be able to train at home to whatever degree. And yeah, I'd argue this. Football is a game, about, is a game that's about running um, – sprinting conditioning there are open fields that you can go to in a lot of places now that will help you get your cardio work in um that's a lot of what uh, Steelers coach mike tomlin will preach to the rookies and say your, your cardio has got to be up you've got to be in great shape coming into camp and a lot of that is more injury prevention than anything else mm -hmm. so making sure that your hamstrings are, are flexible and strengthened a lot of that can be done by running practicing your cutting those types of things but your veterans guys that require certain levels of you know explosive strength to do the jobs that they're being paid to do that's going to be a little bit tougher to come by and unless those guys had weight rooms set up in their their uh in their homes i don't know i mean we really could see a, a very interesting 
training camp in terms of uh, health, in terms of fitness. I, I don't know. I mean, just add that to the list of things that we're just not going to know about. Well, Don Shula, of course, recently passed away. When he first took over the Miami Dolphins, they had four days. Um, now, that's not a lot. Two-a-days are not allowed now in the NFL. Uh, not big on speculation questions. They never have been, but I'll, I'll at least delve into it just for a moment for the sake of conversation. Is it possible to have padless, you know, with the second one being a padless two-a-day, and is it possible there are no preseason games? Uh, I, I think the preseason games will be the first thing that they chop off. Um, I, I just don't see a way in the world they're going to be able to get that in, uh, not in the environment that they're in. Um, plus, I mean, just how bad of a look is that for the NFL? You know that these games don't mean anything short of maybe, maybe some roster evaluation and probably scouting for every other team more than anything else to look at potential cuts, uh, waiver pickups, things like that. Um I, I don't think it would be in their best interest to try to sell people on the preseason unless it's plain and obvious that it's clear and okay to go on. They'll sacrifice the preseason for the sake of trying to set themselves up for the regular season to whatever point they're going to be able to do that. Now, let's flip it around. Let's say um, things aren't completely clear. They're just starting to come back. Everything looks good. They really want to get some games in, but they're not going to be able to they can use the dates that they put out in the schedule to run preseason games uh, in empty stadiums. Perhaps that's something they need to do. Again, they're going to be creative. They're going to have a lot of options that are out there. Uh, I I don't think where we sit right now, we're going to see 16 games. I definitely don't think we're going to see any preseason games, but I could see a modified schedule that includes uh, preseason games or just, you know, exhibition games played on scheduled regular season dates because you assume that they have the stadiums for those days. Um, Maybe they can do them not in front of fans. If they can figure out something to to have players tested to know that they're not being exposed to it, giving the the players the green light to go out and play, um, just not in front of fans. Maybe that's something they can figure out with the the TV networks. Um, I would think that option would be on the table. Um, But I'm not sure – the schedule as we know it, I, I don't think the odds are real good that we're going to see all of that. There's not going to be 19 or 20 games played by every team this season. All right. Um, now, something we don't have to speculate on is what the NFL has done. I mean, we could sit here back on March the 12th or 13th and say, you know, it sounds like they're going to continue with their normal business. What do we think? Is it a bad look for the league? Now that we watch them go through everything – how do you think the NFL has come out of this by keeping, quote, business as usual? Well, here's the thing. To me, the NFL didn't need to do anything. This was not a period of time in which uh, face-to-face uh, in-person operations were all that abundant. Um, during the, in contrast to that, during the regular season, there's a bunch of it. Right now, yes, there are face-to-face meetings. They'd love to have rookie minicamp. They'd love to, to be you know, in the middle of OTAs right now, uh, advancing toward uh, their mandatory minicamps at, at the end of the month. They'd love to have that. But this is just the beginning of it. Everything from uh, the entire shutdown through to today, the NFL has not had a whole lot of necessary 
face-to-face contact. And they've been able to, in, in my opinion, pretty creatively work around that. I thought the draft was great. It was a, a fun presentation to watch. That was something they used to do face-to-face, but they don't have to, and they, they conducted business anyway, and it went fine. The NFL has not had to take a stance one way or another the way that That's right. uh, MLB did, the way that NBA did, and the way that the NHL did. So they're getting to a point where they're going to have to. They were smart, in my opinion, from an image perspective, by not weighing in on any of that. They didn't need to take a stance. They're, they're going to let this play out uh, until a point where they have to make a decision. That day is coming uh, sooner rather than later, but it wasn't anything that they needed to sound an alarm about two months ago. They're going to continue to do business as usual because right now there's no reason for them not to. We don't need to have these things canceled. It doesn't need to, to not be on anybody's schedule. Um, going out of their way to say, no, we're not going to do this either, it might cause more of a problem than, than it would help. So if, if it's prudent to them from a business perspective to have these things set up uh, for the event that they're able to play them, or at the very least, until they're told that they can't, you know, it only seems to make sense to me to, to operate that way. So the way they look right now is really, uh, we're not forced to do anything, so we're not going to. You know, and I, I don't see any issue with that. No, I, I think, to be honest with you, there are two items that have come out of this. The Jordan documentary was supposed to start the weekend after the NBA Finals, and they would have gone through the summer. Well, without this, they moved it up and started it now, and from a programming point of view, it's been brilliant. The NFL, by keeping business as usual, I think turned out to be terrific because I think it gave a lot of people something to talk about, and in a time where we're filled with a lot of stuff, it's at least been some sort of distraction. Yeah, I mean, I think we talked about this a week or two ago, too, yeah. the, the ratings of the draft being what they were. 55 um, million. A certain le- yeah, I mean, there's a certain level of novelty that comes with, like, sure. what are they going to do? How are they going to pull this off? I right. need to tune in. But honestly, the vast majority of the people that I talked to, and I talked to a lot of readers about this, most of it was, I just need something else to watch. Yeah. I needed something forward-thinking. And that really is the key, at least in, in the, the younger generation, the younger audience, um, it consuming sports media right now, it's not talking about what happened. It's talking about what's going to happen. And there was not enough of that out there. Um, you know, the, the old-timers, guys like me, can can love the, the documentary about Michael Jordan. It's great. Sure. It, it's all backward thinking, though. Right. It, it's in the past. We've seen a lot of this before. Um, the younger audience wants stuff that it, it projects into the future. And uh, even the schedule release, which frankly was not even close to the tentpole event um, that my network and many others made it to be last week, uh, it it gave people something new to look at. And with it, of course, is the conversation, well, they're never going to play, blah, blah, blah. Most people were just like, yeah, you know what, just sit over there for a bit. We're going to talk about this because, (laughs) look, we don't have anything else to talk about. If it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. But today, at least, it feels like it might. And that's not a bad place to be. So let, let's just discuss what this looks like the way that we normally do at this time of the year. Let's do something that reminds us the way life was before two months ago. And I, I think the value for the NFL providing that, it, as, as kind of trivial and short-lived as it might end up being, it was pretty substantial. I think it stands out at, during a time in which 
there wasn't anything else. There are only so many indie pop stars I can watch giving live performances in their house. You know, <laughs> it, 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 we need something else. You know, I've seen all the John Hughes movies a thousand times. I've watched that marathon twice now. It's embarrassing to say, but I, I, I like Weird Science. I don't know if I need to watch it a, a third time in the last three weeks. So there's more. Uh, it, it, there's more value in those types of things. I just don't think the NFL. It has any more bullets in that gun, and I don't think anybody else does either because we're really on to to rewatching old games now and trying to reframe the discussion as much as we can looking forward. I don't think that's going to work for long either. Well, just so you know, I'm having a big Zoom Darlington watch party on Sunday, and I want to make sure you're a part of it, okay? <laughs> oh, please, please let me in. I haven't done one of those yet. Dar- <laughs> it's a new one. A Darlington watch party. Yes. <laughs> suddenly, Neil and I will be sitting there and as everybody's watching intently, and the two of us will look at each other and say, they're just going in a circle. Yeah, okay. that guy turned left. Let's count how many times they actually turn left a little bit. You know, it, that's, let's, see how this, let's see how many times this adds up into some type of stat that we can discuss and somebody, put in the listicle form. So, <laughs> somebody asked me once what the key was to auto racing, and I said the first one to make 800 successful left turns faster than anybody yep. else. <laughs> yep, and, and not die in the process. That's exactly. the thing I watch with it. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I assume you, you've seen a race live and this this was my first job as a reporter my internship i covered uh dirt track sprint car racing and i had no clue how loud and how powerful uh, and how fast those things were uh, until fast. i was next to the concrete yep and it, it was scary i was like dizzy watching this I'm like uh, oh my and they were going like 90 miles an hour and this, uh, again this is a dirt track in fargo north dakota but it, it <laughs> oh man it was something else and I, I can see why people get into it it's not my choice oh, but yeah. i can definitely get, I, I get the culture i really understand yeah. Uh, why people get into as much as they do to the point that, you know, we wouldn't be the only people on that Zoom call. You know, there'd yeah. be a lot of other people that want to be a part of this again like they were in a gorgeous yeah. May day and yeah. back when the world was normal. Yeah, no, I mean, no question. I mean, I went to Pocono. I hadn't seen anybody go that fast and somebody on Fox Hollow Road over here. All right, so... <laughs> <laughs> Neil, always a pleasure, my friend. Definitely. Thanks for having me, guys. Neil Kulong back with more. We'll talk about the Jordan documentary next half hour. News Radio 1070 WKOK. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle is worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC Way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC Way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC Way? The SMC Way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years.